Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. We do this every single week. We have an up close and personal conversation with someone interesting from the internet. This week, Mr. Shane Dawson joins us at the round table of dim lighting. We discuss life-changing ghost encounters, what it's like growing up weighing twice as much as you do now, and how YouTube got him fired, among other things. Um, it's a great conversation. Stay tuned for that. But first, Link, I want to just make a request. Of me or the people? Uh, of you. Well, I, I have a goal, and since a lot of times we, we spend a lot of time together, if I have a goal, then a lot of times you can help me achieve that goal. And I think this is going to be something that you're also going to be into. Is that all I am to you, Rhett? An accountability. So, someone to help you achieve your goals. I feel used. Yep. Okay, um, what is it? We should go to more concerts. I've been thinking about this lately. I've been thinking about the fact that we live in this town where pretty much any band, any artist who is anybody is gonna have a date on their tour. That's true. They're gonna come through this town and they're gonna play music. And you can, usually you can find out about this before it happens. It's not like the kind of thing, this isn't the medieval times where it's like a troubadour comes in and it's like, oh, Walt's here. Like, blow the trumpet and you just come running. Yeah, we have the internet. And Walt? Is that what you said? <laughs> That's a very medieval name for he us. He was a very troubadour. F- famous medieval performer. I am Walt. Um, anyway, at the last concert we went to in this town, do you remember that? Merle Haggard and Chris Christopherson. And I got to tell you, I forget it? at the Greek Theater, amazing venue, obviously amazing performers. Life-changing experience for third us. Third row, third row. And then we, we, we stayed after the concert and we waited for Merle. We stayed out there. Uh, we, we, we had talked with somebody. We kind of got in a little bit and we got into the- Like not, two fangirls. Not the backstage area, but we got into like the, uh, the VIP area where the, apparently Chris Christopherson and Merle Haggard were going to come into, at least rumor had it, they were going to come in there after they performed and eat. Because, I mean, guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that Merle Haggard is he's not only a musical icon, he is a personal icon for us. He is like a north star of of being for us. I mean, he's not a god. I'm not going to say that kind of sounds like a, we're big fans of Merle Haggard. I mean, I have so many records hanging he's on. He's not a god, but <laughs> we really like him. We really love Merle Haggard and I mean, our collective goal in life is to meet him before he dies. I mean, he's going to go some Johnny Cash is gone. Waylon Jennings is gone. Willie is pre- not gone. I was prepared to pee a little bit among me, uh, uh, you know, when meeting him. But it would happen. It, upon meeting him is what I was trying to say. I, we didn't meet him. He was sick. He was feeling under the weather, which is not unusual for Merle at this age. But I, I, I don't want to wait for Merle to come back to Los Angeles to see another concert. That really wasn't my point. It wasn't to reminisce about that. It was about the fact that we enjoy music. We, some people would say, are musicians. I enjoy a great live show. You know, we can get a babysitter. We can it, t- take it's, our it's, wives. It's I'm not talking about just me and you. I'm talking about, you know. Our wives are invited. That's our nice wives of are us. Invited. I hear about these shows. I hear about these bands. I hear about these places. And I know that there are people actually going to enjoy these things. And here we, I mean, here we are in a room with each other at night. And that's great. I enjoy that. But I'm saying occasionally we should be going to a concert. It, okay, I have two thoughts. First, it's a certain special type of person I've observed that goes to concerts. I mean, at a younger age, everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to go to a show or whatever. You know, when we were in college, we saw a decent amount of concerts. But for an older person, someone who's out of college, to go to a concert, my observation is that that is a certain type of person that we are not. And that's one, a rich person. Two, a person who doesn't have anything, doesn't have a lot of kids, I think, is what it is. I mean, I think it's, you know, you can't take your kids. You have to make it a priority. I, I, I know. But I, there's people, you know, they, they, it's pricey, they, they go to things all the, they go to these concerts all the time. I'm not, and, and it's, it's a just, big commitment. I'm not just talking about going to a concert that costs $90 or something. I'm just talking about a band that's playing somewhere. Live music. I will say, when the Avett brothers come to town, we should work that out. We should go there. We big fans of theirs. We should go. And then, but I'm not going to wait afterward like a schoolgirl and try to meet them. But if you know them, anyone out there knows them personally, 
They wrote I, a song about my sister-in-law. Well, I've heard that a million times. Look at where that's gotten us. Nowhere. I'm, ti- I'm tired of hearing about it, honestly, because you can't work it into an angle for us to meet them. I mean, let, let me tell you a little something about the Avet brothers, and then we'll move on uh, and talk to Shane Dawson. They're from North Carolina. We have they're a kindred from, They're spirit. from North Carolina, and Scott Avet, uh, one of the two Avet brothers, kind of had a thing with my wife's sister in college at East Carolina University. And uh, he wrote a song about her, Pretty Girl from Cedar Lane. Her name's Ashley. She's the Ashley in the song. And we went to- So you say. I know for a fact. And we went to the- It hasn't gotten us anywhere. We went to- uh, Well, we went to the concert, um, the New Year's Eve show this past year. And you know where Ashley sat? She sat in the, with me, in the back row, the absolute furthest spot away from the Avet Brothers. So that's why getting a song written after you uh, works well, out when the band comes to town. it's just because we think it might be inappropriate to try to work that angle. That's all I'm saying, but Avet Brothers, if you're listening you, or anybody- You knows, emailed them. Well, what do you mean it's inappropriate? You emailed them. I'm bitter about this. Not, I'm asking not, no, no, all like of you listeners years ago, out there. Two years ago, I said, help hey, us at this listen, point. We make internet videos, but enough about that. My sister-in-law, you wrote a song about her, and uh, we want to meet you guys. <laughs> I, 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 it is kind of a week in. Yeah, it didn't I work. Got, I got to, but we'll make a music video for you guys. We will. It'll be awesome. I um, also wanted to see Willie Nelson at the Hollywood Bowl. I haven't gone to, sh- to a show at the Hollywood yeah, Bowl. I'll see pathetic. anybody there. It's pathetic, Link. It's a Lionel world... Richie is going to be at the Hollywood Bowl next month. Really? But we're going to be out of town in North Carolina when he's here. It's a world-renowned venue, so... um, It's a bowl. It's a bowl. Well, of course it is. That's why it's called Hollywood Bowl. Okay, this week we talked to Shane Dawson. You know him from his very popular YouTube channel, Shane Dawson TV. He's been around since 2008. He's got just under 5 million subscribers on that channel. On his second channel, which is youtube.com slash Shane, his vlog channel, he's got under just under 3 million subscribers over there. And he just launched, I, I mean, I guess it's been a couple of months now, his own audio podcast called Shane and Friends, which is doing... Really well. Not not, com- not not a competitive podcast, though. We're not in competition with it. No, no, no. Don't, no, don't no, get no. discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Your Biscuits is not in direct competition with Shane and Friends. Because if it was, we would lose. <laughs> I think that's my point. I'm trying to make myself feel better. It's just a different thing. We you, sit down with Shane. Here it is. Convo it up. So let's let's start this off right. You had ghosts in your house. Uh, still do. And you're selling it. Well, I'm not selling it because of that. That was definitely a reason. But something I left off the, you know, like buy this house card. I didn't. Right. Free ghosts. Yeah. Ooh, my grandma's here. Um, no, so I, my grandma died and I never, ever believed in ghosts ever. And, um, Did she die in the house? No, she. I don't know where she died. I don't know Long Beach. Even worse. <laughs> um, so she died back in Long Beach, and um, you know I was really really close to her. And one night I was laying in bed, you know, watching Friends or something, and I look over at the closet, and she was standing there. Oh. And I've never, you know, I'm not into all that weird ghost. So it freaked me out. I ran out of my room. I threw up in the hallway. I was like hyperventilating. My brother ran in and my brother out of nowhere, because he's not into that stuff either. He goes, did you see grandma? And I said, what? How do you know that? He's like, because I heard her voice. He's like 28. So we both are like little girls just screaming and crying. My mom runs up and my mom, who's like Christian, but not into ghosts either. She stops us and she goes, I know what happened because I can feel it. And calm down. It's just grandma. We're like, it's just grandma. She's f***ing dead. (laughs) So we go back to my closet and I look. And when she died, I didn't take any of her like valuables, but I took this one robe that she used to wear every day because I'm creepy as hell. So I took her robe and it was hanging in my closet. And that's right where I saw her. Yeah, it was creepy as hell. How long ago was this? This was about um, two years ago. And then I stopped sleeping in that room. I created a bedroom in my garage. I had it converted. (laughs) And I slept in my garage for the next year. You let grandma have your bedroom. I was like, you can have it, grandma. Yeah, and the robe. You can have the robe. You can have it all. Um, And then I went to my, sorry, I'm going, I'm talking too much about this. Is this creepy? No, no, this is interesting. Okay. Probably not true, but interesting. (laughs) So then um, uh, I was having a lot of really weird experiences in that house. 
So my girlfriend's mom's friend is like a medium who has like solved crimes and she's, you know, done all that stuff. Okay, and this is Lisa. We know Lisa. Yeah, Lisa. Lisa's mom's friend. Is a medium. Mm -hmm. Okay. And which, you know, I I thought was stupid and shady, Um, but I looked her up and she like legit found dead bodies and like solved crimes and like has done a lot of good things. I'm like, okay, let me go see her. I didn't tell her anything. I sat down with her and she goes, your grandma's standing right next to you. Described my grandma, said her name, did all this stuff. She What had Lisa told her before you got there? Nothing. I told her not to. She's like, no, I won't because, you know, I want her to be honest or whatever. And um, she Mm. described my grandma and goes, your grandma tried to reach you in your closet. And I'm like, yes. And she goes, she was trying to tell you and she went into what she was trying to tell me. And then she goes- No, you'd rather not tell us because- I mean, okay. What's the nature of it? Oh, the long story short. Or sh- what's the specifics of it? Long story short is I was uh, working a little bit too hard and um, was leading toward a breakdown, which is true. And um, luckily I listened to that advice and I didn't have a breakdown. But you know how it is with YouTube and all these things. You're doing a million things. Right. Sure. And you wear yourself the f- out. Oh, yeah. So that happened. And I was like, okay, I get it. Thanks, Grandma. Um, but she also said, tell your mom that your grandma wants to tell her to get rid of all your grandma's stuff. Because my mom started putting my grandma's all over the house. It was a little strange. And um, and my grandma, and she, the, the medium said, your grandma thinks your mom is making a shrine of her and that's not healthy and she needs to get rid of the shrine so she can move on. I go home and I said, mom, and not, I'm not lying. My mom goes, and I, my mom goes, Shane, um, I just had this weird feeling. And I look over and there's a box of stuff and I'm like, what's going on? She's like, Something just told me to like start taking down grandma's things. Like it's almost like I have a shrine of her. Her serious words. I started bawling. I called Lisa. I'm like, oh my God, your mom's friend's fucking real. And like it got really scary. My mom started crying. We had this whole thing. And I'm like, okay, we I I think I'm going to get my mom into her own little house. I think I'm gonna sell this house. So it definitely was part of the reason I need to get some stress off of my back. So even though you received guidance mm-hmm. from your grandmother. You said, I'm still I'm still getting out. We're, 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 we're still getting out of this house. Part of the reason, though, was because the house was a huge load of stress. You know, I, I bought a big house, and that was not... I mean, it was smart, but it also was like, you know, a huge monkey on my back. You know, it's a huge, it's a huge house that my mom is living in, that I'm filming in, that my, all my dead grandma's stuff is in. That It's like it was... Mm-hmm. I needed to clear some... So things. it wasn't just grandma that, that... But she is part of the reason that I decided to finally sell it. Because I, I wasn't going to. And after that, I was like, I think grandma's telling me to sell this house. Did she show up again or just that one time? No. She never showed up again. One, one time deal. <laughs> one time. That's all, well, it, she, that's all it took. She got her point across, she, it sounds I mean, like. I mean, but you know, it's funny because I, I still am very weary of when people say, go, you know, they believe in all this stuff. But I mean, it legit happened. And it was real. And it was really f- terrifying <laughs> to see a dead person standing in front of you. Well, let's go back even earlier than two years ago. Okay. When grandma in the closet and we can go to grandma in real life. We can yeah. go. <laughs> Living grandma era. Yeah, right. Um, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Long Beach. Oh. LBC. Where'd your grandmother die? Me uh, and Cameron Diaz and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Those are the only people. Oh, and the woman from Reno 911. I know she still lives there. Really? Wendy something, yeah. And um, If you go Long to Long Beach. Beach's Wikipedia page, we are there. How often do you go back to Long Beach? Never. <laughs> you don't miss it. Well, it's not that far, first of all. It is. It's not, but it is. It's far enough that you would have to decide to go back. There's no reason to go back, is what you're saying. It's the worst drive ever <laughs> for so many reasons. We, we've been there for a couple of things. You, your son had a dive meet in Long Beach. He did. Uh-huh. And that's, that's the one time I went. <laughs> that was it. Not too great, not too bad. Whoa, he there's won. A, there's a wharf down there, right? What do they call it? Wait, what? Like a, a wharf. Big, like a big pier. Now, <laughs> I don't mean like a dog making it. A... I got excited because I thought you meant like dwarf, which is, <laughs> I mean, incorrect. There's a dwarf hybrid, there, whale, whale hybrid down there, there is, called though, the wharf. <laughs> there is a rumored dwarf town. Have you heard about this? In Long Beach? Yes. You Well, you've heard about midget. Uh, this is so, sorry, Little People Town? Midget Town? You've heard about Just this, Just give right? it to us straight. Okay, Midget Town. Have you heard about this? No. No, but really? I want to. Is it within Long Beach? Here's the thing. I think every town has this rumor. Obviously, your guys just didn't. But uh, Midget Town, for those listening, maybe they've heard, uh, is supposedly there's a town in every town 
we're just little people living. All the houses are small. Everybody has a story like, yeah, me and my friends were there one night. We got drunk and we hit a midget with our car. Like everybody has a midget town story. Mm -hmm. But there is actually a midget town in Long Beach. And that's why the stories got created. Are there signs? Yeah, it's called Short Beach. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, that was a little I mean, funny. It, it was just, <laughs> it was, I mean, it have was you, just have standing been there? there. Is there a I sign? Have, I have not been there, but um, it's very, very gated. So it, it's not very around anymore. It's not around anymore. Okay. But what it was was when they were filming Wizard of Oz. I have so many weird facts. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I have heard, heard about this. this. Yes. Yes, on NPR, they talked about mm -hmm. uh, all the munchkins at the time they were filming yeah. lived there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, they stick together. They bought a bunch of little places and, you know. Had a bunch of little houses and and uh, and the I, houses are still there. How, I think the houses are still there, but there there's I don't think anybody's living there. We talked to the security guard and like a bunch of people around the area, and they were all very like casual about it. like, oh yeah, that was a you know it's a historical place, blah blah blah. I'm like, oh oh, so it's real. Hmm. All right, so give us some of the details of growing up in Long Beach. Well, besides our endless searches for Midget Town. Mm -hmm. um, Oh God, I I don't even know. Did I you was... grew up with both your parents, your grandma. How did this work? No. Uh, okay, so I grew. My dad left. Kind of left. I don't know what he, he left. I guess that's a word for it. Um, when I was about nine, and then I uh, lived with my mom and my grandma. Um, the grandma. The dead the, grandma. Okay, got it. Brothers and sisters. Uh, my brother, two brothers. Yes, two. Sometimes I just forget family. That sounds terrible. You forget how many brothers you have? <laughs> no, just family. And just, oh, God. Yes, two brothers. There's so many pictures. You know what I mean? That, like, that, other, that other brother, he's in pictures. I've never met him. No, but. well, I was looking through pictures the other day because we're, you know, we're moving, we're cleaning, and I saw this picture of me, my brother, and some little girl. I'm like, who the hell is that? And my mom's like, oh, we had a daughter for a while. I'm like, what do you mean you had a daughter for a while? She's like, well, we, it just didn't work out. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, can you explain? <laughs> like a foster kid? I think what it was is my mom couldn't physically, she always wanted a daughter and she kept having sons. And I think at some point she's like, physically, this isn't going to happen. So I'm going to get a daughter. And I think through a <laughs> church, she started adopting one, but I think something bad happened with the daughter. Maybe she was possessed. I don't know, but it didn't work out. Huh. I think the original parents took her back. It was some weird. Sounds like a foster situation. Lifetime situation. Right. But you have two brothers. <laughs> We're going on record. <laughs> you grew up with two brothers. Uh, one of them was uh, very absent, so but so I really grew up with one. Okay, okay. I think I've met that brother, the absent one. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where, where? I haven't seen him in so long. The, the one, the one that you stay in touch with. <laughs> I stay in touch with both, but but yeah, I think you guys met the uh, the one I grew up with. Right, Jared. Jared. Okay, so <laughs> so what was it like you and Jared growing up with your mom and grandma? It was rough. Well, oh yeah, we were very messed up kids because you know we had such a messed up upbringing. So we were constantly trying to find attention and love, and we were going nuts. We would wrestle, and literally, he threw me through uh, a glass door one time. <laughs> it didn't hurt. I was four hundred pounds, by the way. I think I missed that. Um, but he threw me through a glass door. We would get into these crazy fights. Uh, the cops would be called on us sometimes. We'd get kicked out of churches and restaurants. We were very looking for attention when we were about, you know, nine, 10 years old. So at nine years old, your brother <laughs> threw the 400 pound you through a glass door? Here's the thing though. It was an accident, kind of. We were really into wrestling at the time. Um, and he was trying to do like this undertaker move. Oh yeah. And it just didn't, just, he covered me in blankets. So I was okay. But the move was he put me in blankets on a chair and then he would run toward the chair and he was trying with his arm and he was trying to knock me out. But then he missed and I just flew through the glass. <laughs> I can understand that. Zach West pile-drived me yeah, in, in front of his grandma mm -hmm. when we were in middle school. And I never went to his house again. I was terribly embarrassed. I know. It was, it was pretty painful too. Yeah. But mostly it was, a, it was an ego pain. Yeah. With the grandma laughing and everything. Mm. But there was no punching. Did, you, did your brother no. ever punch you? No, we loved each other so much, but we were, I don't know, we, we both have very high pain thresholds. I don't ever really feel pain. I'm sounding so weird in this interview, but it's fine. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I just, got a, I just got an ear surgery, and it was supposed to, the doctor's like, you're going to be out for three days. Like, it's going to be the most pain you've ever had. You're going to vomit. I had Lisa with me, and she's holding my hand. I'm crying. I'm nervous. He did the whole thing, and I didn't even know he did it. And he's like, oh, wow, you have high like you didn't feel that at all. You have no feelings. What was the surgery for? 
oh god i I had this intense ear infection um and they had to drain my ear and poke holes in it and put a tube in there and do a bunch of weird stuff cut things out you got a tube in there right now I think it fell out. It dissolves. Yeah, something. it falls out or something. Oh, okay. I thought so. You might, you might need to make another appointment <laughs> yeah. if that's not supposed to happen. Traditions uh, dictate that you're supposed to eat it when it falls out. Oh, it's good mm-hmm. luck. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's like a mother eating the placenta, mm. which, which is, is also a, good luck. No, and it's. I mean, it's becoming like the in thing out here in California. I'm not kidding. Okay, so now you're sounding weirder than me, so this is good. Let's keep going. <laughs> we're, we're all comfortable. Well, no, I'm just so, so, I guess I said that to ask, now, did your mom eat the placenta after you were born? <laughs> because that is kind of a thing. Oh. I'm not kidding. They dry it out and they put it in tea and stuff. No, it's but to, it's I- It's supposed to be very helpful. I did poop in the placenta bag and almost kill my mother, because that could kill you. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, so- <laughs> She didn't eat it. Now, you said that- <laughs> How much did you say you weighed as a kid? I mean, how much do you weigh now? You're like... I'm like 175 now, and... You said you weighed how much? My highest was... I don't know exact number. My scale only went up to 350, and I was always at error. Um, But I lost a bunch of weight, and then I was at 350. So I I was probably at highest 400. And this is... You're talking like from a young age, like nine years old or younger. Mm, I mean, I was always huge, but I probably was around 400 when I was like 14. Okay. And you said that... Things were messed up for you. Are you, are you as a kid. You're talking about as a result of your dad not being there, or did something happen, mm. or what? what? Um, I mean, ooh, I don't want to bring the mood too down. No, you want me to bring it down? Yeah, we just want you to talk to us. Oh, we can turn the lights no, on a no, little it's bit. Fine. It's fine. You're gonna get tears. No, you're not. Um, I have no feelings. Um, no. So my dad um, was not a happy man. So he was not that friendly toward us, and um, loved the drinks. Oh, oh, um, no. and, uh, and yeah, so he ended up leaving us for my Spanish teacher slash mom's best friend. Oh no. Who was really cool. I loved her. Um, <laughs> it's like a madman situation. Yeah, it was intense. Um, and, uh, it's funny cause when I was a kid, I didn't really get the full story until now I look back. I'm like, oh wow, that was weird and a lot. Um, but yeah, so he left, we were all very excited when he left cause you know, he was abusive and stuff. So then me and my mom and my brother, um, we lost everything because he took everything. So we like lost our house and we uh, were almost living in our car at one point. And um, out of nowhere, our dentist was like, oh, you could rent my old house for, you know, a fourth of the price that I usually would mm-hmm. rent it out. So we were really lucky and blessed with that. So my mom started working. She had never had a job before. She, you know, she started working at like Macy's or something and um, and we got our lives back together. And, um, and was it, your dad completely out of the picture at mm-hmm. that point? There was no like visitation. No, child support, no, uh, no. I saw him once in a while, but but he wasn't paying child support. He wasn't helping with anything. I think it was it was very ugh, yuck. He was terrible. Um, and, and that all happened in the middle school years. That was from nine to about God. I mean, from nine to eighteen, really. Um, but the, all the bad sh- probably from like nine to thirteen. And okay, then, and so th- so then you—that's a really bad age for those bad things to be happening. I would imagine food was great. <laughs> Loved food, obviously. So so food was a coping mechanism for you at that time. Food was definitely uh, you know my my brother Jared. I, I'm sure he's fine with me going into this because he's turned his life around. But he got into drugs, and uh, my other brother got very into drugs to a point where we didn't see him. Hmm. Um, and I just loved food. And the bad thing is they always say, they always make excuses like, oh, poor people, um, you know, I'm sorry, what is the excuse? Well, the excuse is like, oh, it's so expensive to eat healthy. It's like, no, that's true. It's way too expensive yeah. to eat healthy. It was really cheap to eat cans and cans of refried beans <laughs> and, and government cheese. That's what was cheap for us. Right. Um, so I just got really big. But you know what? I held it well. I, I never looked 400. <laughs> I looked like 250. So That's I was impressive. I was lucky. Um, you still had some mean wrestling moves. So many wrestling moves. <laughs> uh, I was really good at knocking my brother out, who was going like, through the door. Five years older than me, just going through the door. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I got really fat. I'm sorry. What was the question? Childhood. I was fat. What did I eat? I don't know. What else? Well, so so at that age, you said going in. So 14, basically transition between middle school mm-hmm. and high school. You go to 
a public school in mm-hmm. Long Beach? So when, when my dad was around, we went to a Catholic school, private school. Oddly enough, he was very high up in the church <laughs> at the time. We were like seventh a priest? heaven. Like a we cardinal? Were, we were like seventh heaven. Well, so we went to a Catholic school, um, but the Christian church, which was like the biggest church in Long Beach, um, like Calvary Chapel or one of those, uh-huh. he was like the head guy there, minister, I don't know. Um, and we were all very up in that church. We went to a Catholic school, which I was always very confused about. Um, so when all that went down, we got kicked out of the school and um, it was like a big controversy. So I had to go to public school, which I was excited about because, you know, private school is terrible. Um, and yeah, and uh, I went to public school for the rest of, of school and we were pretty broke forever up until <laughs> like I was 19 maybe. Right. You know? <laughs> now, when, I, when I think Long Beach, public high school, I think like typical California uh-huh. movie high school. Am I wrong about yes. that? Well, unless you're thinking of like, uh, like Save the Last Dance high school. Can't say for sure because I haven't seen it. What? But the word beach is in the town. So I'm just, I'm, you're just like seems, learning on a surfboard. You're like learning math on a surfboard, right? It just seems clicky. Right? I, no. I, I, don't, I mean, all, all, all schools are clicky, but I just have this like California no, no, no. high school. There's the cool kids. There's the jocks, there's the beach guys, there's the Hispanic kids. So Long Beach is cut into two slices. Um, one half is like lesbians and uh, like old retired white people, which is the nicest half. <laughs> That's like Sherman, uh, what's it called? Belmont Shore. That's where they filmed Dexter because um, it looks like Miami. Like that's the cool, there's an aquarium there, which I was a, uh, <laughs> I was a security guard for the octopus at one point. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Um, four hundred okay, pounds. Noted. Yeah, we yeah. Will, we will get to that later. Okay, go uh, ahead. But then there's the other half of Long Beach, which is where I grew up, which is um, just like all the black kids, which explains a lot about me. Um, all the Mexicans. Um, I was one of the only white people there, and um, yeah, so I was definitely on that side of Long Beach, closer to Lakewood, which does not have a lake, and it is. <laughs> it did um, at one point, probably. Maybe. It had woods too. Yeah. Mm, maybe. Um, so yeah, I was I was in that that area of Long Beach. So my my crowd was um, all black people, and and this, this sounds racist and whatever. I guess it's going to, but I had I definitely got picked on a lot being a four hundred pound white lesbian looking boy. <laughs> I had to form a sense of humor, and I and I really took from the black culture, and I started creating jokes out of the movies they were watching, the music they were listening to, all this stuff. So my humor is very very black, and it still is pretty black. So, um, so, but, but you had, I mean, you said that you were made fun of, but you had legitimate friends who were, are you saying your friends made fun of you or everyone else, but you had your friends who were black people who taught you what was funny? No, I didn't really have friends. Um, I had like one friend every year. Um, and they were also, I mean, I had a friend who was like in a wheelchair and like, I mean, let's just say God, I don't want to say retarded. I've already said midget. Oh Lord, <laughs> whatever. I had a retarded friend. I was I was the president of Best Buddies, which is a program in school where you befriend a retarded person and you take them to the movies and you like go to Disneyland with them. And I was the president. I know I'm a giver. Um, still talk to her, <laughs> Francis. We're friends on Facebook. Shut up. Um, <laughs> every year, hey, I, Francis. Every year, I had a friend who definitely was like an, uh, somebody who needed me. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I was trying to like fix people and help people or whatever. And around well, 19- But I, I mean, pause, because that's pretty, I mean, that is pretty remarkable. I mean, I remember what we were like <laughs> at that age. And uh, not that we were, you know, I'm not going to say that we were the kind of guys that were going to, you know, point out somebody who had some challenges and make <laughs> fun of them. But then I, we, I was definitely not the kind of guy that was like, oh, but I'm also going to befriend this yeah. person, much less be the president of the best, is the Best Buddies Club? Best Buddies. Best still buddies. around, still kicking. I mean, that's, I think that says a lot about who you were, who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you have no control um, at home, you, and you, you can't really um, get anything together at home. You can't like be in... Uh, what's the word for it? You can't really help anybody because you're the youngest kid and you can't really do much. You can't get money for your mom. You can't do anything. So when you go to school and you see like these special kids who have no friends and you see this thing, you're like, oh, I can help these people. 
you know, I I don't have money, but I can I have time and I could hang out with these kids and like they're just as bored and lonely as I am. And I did a lot of stuff like that from like sixth grade to ninth grade. A lot of like, you know, community service type of stuff just because, you know, better than sitting at home and eating. But well, you, not as great, but but you were finding at the time that, you know, being funny mm-hmm. was a, And they were the best audience. It was a way to deal with this insecurity. It was a way to mm-hmm. deal with being a target, essentially. Mm. So, is, is that I, I, how it happened? Do you remember a specific moment where it was like, oh, this works? Yeah, I started drama class at the beginning of high school, and uh, and there was one skit, and I went to the teacher, and I said, oh, can I write my own skit? And he's like, okay. So I did one where I played like a gangster character, and I played a couple characters, and I did it in front of like, you know, my class, and they loved it. And um, the next day, they're like, do it in front of the whole school during this assembly. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I did it in front of the whole school. And I mean, it was nuts. Every person in the auditorium was standing up at the end of it and freaking out. I read I read the skit back a couple years ago. I'm like, this is terrible. But in high school, they loved it. Um, and that really turned everything around. And that's when I was like, oh, I could actually, you know, do something funny and people will laugh. And that's when I started making videos. And So you used to, I mean, you're talking about, starting YouTube at that time. YouTube wasn't around. This was like 2003, 2004. So I was just making videos for class projects. Okay. Uh, that was probably in 10th grade. And I would make these crazy, raunchy, you know, class projects. And uh, of course, the teacher would like shut and lock the door so the principal didn't come in. We'd watch them and laugh. And what do you mean the- crazy, raunchy yeah. videos <laughs> that your teacher... Okay. We did, yeah. Specifically what? <laughs> well, like in economics class, uh, we had to do something about dictatorship. So I did a pro- I did a short film, I guess, about me, about my little group and the whole world ends. And now me and my little group are in charge of the whole world. So I'm like, oh God, I don't know how to be the president. Let me read some books. So I read like a Hitler book and I'm like, this guy's awesome. So then I come back and I, you know, I look like Hitler and I'm, you know, making people do all these crazy things. And, you know, we... There was an Asian girl in our group, and she was eating all the animals. Like it was, it was very, very offensive. <laughs> Is this on VHS somewhere? I mean, it's on YouTube. Some, <laughs> some, I think one of my teachers uploaded it. What? Yeah, and it has a lot of views, and it's flagged, which is <laughs> like I'm gonna monetize this. Yeah. I'm this gonna is, give this my videos payday. on YouTube. What, what is it called? It's called Hitler High School. <laughs> And uh, it did it did pretty well, but um, but yeah. So the teachers would pass around my videos to all the other teachers, and it was like this big thing, and um, and yeah, that was before YouTube, and I did that like four projects. So a you year. went viral amongst teachers. the teachers at your high school. It was very weird. Yeah, and th- once in a while, like they'd take me aside and be like, "Saw your Hitler High School video, <laughs> funny," <laughs> and I was like, "You what? How'd you see that?" Well, see, I think that's a, that's one of the differences between the Long Beach experience and then the, the Harnett Central experience. Mm. We wouldn't have gotten very far with the Hitler High School video. <laughs> that would have been shut down real fast. I, we made some racially insensitive videos involving um, American Indians. In, we did. In oh. uh, middle school. Oh, I remember that. Well, You I, did a horrible impression I, you know of what? I actually Geronimo think that something? it's time to come clean about two things that are very relevant to this conversation. <laughs> the first thing is, if you do not recall, you played a mentally handicapped person in that video that we made for class. Yes, I did. You did. And I played a Native American. At some point, you don't plan and the camera's rolling and you just, you go into the first character. You make a that, choice. But yeah. I w- in, in your defense, I will say that we had read uh, Of Mice and Men mm. and we thought that this was going to be a tasteful uh, portrayal of a mentally handicapped person. It wasn't like, it wasn't so much so, hey, let's do this. It'll be funny. You, you play a mentally handicapped person, and uh, I'll play a Native American defending his <laughs> land. Uh, but because we were trying to be funny, it ended up being funny and definitely very insensitive. And there is no record of it, and it will never make it on the <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, none of the teachers are, are uh, trying enough. to monetize our Well, it's just the age. It's, it's the age difference. It's just the fact that we're that much older that they, they're, mm. you know, those teachers are dead now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it... Between YouTube starting, just give me a give me a time. When did you graduate from high school? Just to get an idea. Uh, graduated in 06. Okay, so that was mm-hmm. the same time that YouTube launched. Started, yeah. So make some connection there between making videos that go viral with your teachers <laughs> to 
putting videos on the internet? What, what, are the, what are the specifics there? So I started putting up, you know, me and my friends right after high school, right after we graduated, um, I decided I was going to lose weight because I was tired of being, you know, the funny fat guy and I wanted to be a director and an actor and I wanted to not just be Chris Farley because, you know, how that turned out. So um, He died. He, d- he died. Children, he died. He had already uh, died. He had already died. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I... But you haven't seen him since. No, <laughs> I wish. It's good. Don't put a oh, jacket God. up in your closet. Oh, just I have so many ripped jackets jacket. too. I don't have any small ones, luckily. So you wanted to lose weight, lost weight. So um, that that first year after high school, I was making videos with my friends, uh, putting them up on YouTube. Nobody was watching. And during that time, I uh, lost uh, two hundred pounds. Two hundred. So so one question: Was okay. this this your current channel, or was it another channel? No, no, no. This was like Shane Yaw. It's not there anymore. I don't even remember deleting it, but it's gone. Okay. Yeah. And then in the in the process of this, you lost how much? Uh, about, I'm bad at math. About, I'm like 175. I, my lowest was like 165, and I think my highest was 400. So over 200 pounds. Yeah. In how, in what period of time? A year. How Is do that you even that? safe? Um, You know what? For guys, it's, okay. So I lost it on Jenny Craig mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and then I actually started working for Jenny Craig about halfway through my weight loss because I needed a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would start seeing, like, I would notice guys lose weight so fast. I had one guy lose, like, 300 pounds in a year. It was insane. Oh, wow. Women, Th- This is longer. once you started working there. Yeah. So, okay, I know how Weight Watchers works. That, like, has point totals and you just <laughs> basically manage your calories. Jenny Craig, is that the same thing or is that no. drinking shakes? Jenny Craig, oh, I wish. No, Jenny Craig is like eating lean cuisines and then having to talk to somebody for an hour a week about it. It's like the prepackaged meals are sent to your house, right? No, you have to go in. It's like going to the grocery store and talking to the clerk about your problems. It's There's like, a store? Uh, you got a counselor, food? basically. Or yeah. an account, someone that held you accountable. Yes. Or counseled you. A chubby buddy. But there's a place to go and buy the food. Yeah, so you go there and it looks like a doctor's office from the 80s. It's the worst place ever. <laughs> There's pictures of D-list celebrities everywhere. Um... And you walk in, you sit down with your chubby buddy, they weigh you, they tell you how much weight you lost, and then they order your food and say, oh, what do you want this week? And you buy a bunch of food, which is all very expensive, and there's a freezer room in the back, they bring it out in bags, and you leave. And this still goes on. Yeah. So you were going in there, and you were seeing results. I mean, you were losing Mm -hmm. all types of weight, and you decided to get a job with them. Well, I couldn't afford the food anymore. So about halfway through my weight loss, like I, my mom was trying so hard to, I was working all these random jobs, security guard. Um, and Swear security guard at the octopus. Yeah. At the octopus. Who were you guarding? The octopus, the octopus from the people or yes. vice versa? Yeah, he was the ninth and 10th arm. I was, <laughs> I was guiding the octopus. Children really liked to get in there and touch the octopus and you can't do that. So you I would to, like hold their ankles. Yeah, all day I would tell them, no touching the octopus. So. That was That's important, uh, but help me get Jenny Craig food. <laughs> and then um, about halfway through, I I lost that job. Um, well, they just the I octopus. They didn't need me. I mean, let's be honest. The octopus. Yeah, the octopus. The okay. octopus can defend it himself. Died. Got it. Oh, it did. No. no. Um, so you applied for a job with Jenny. Yeah, because you get your food for cheap, like half off or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I became a chubby buddy. And then <laughs> over that, what did you do specifically? So uh, I would. I started out as just a counselor, which is just like somebody would come in, I'd sit down with them, they'd talk about their week, I'd give them advice and then send them on their way. And I was really, really good at it. And literally in like the first couple weeks, they promoted me from counselor to manager. (laughs) I'm a hard worker. (laughs) Really? Uh, The CEO loved me, promoted me to manager, and I was now managing all these people that have worked there for 20 years. I had worked there for two weeks. (laughs) I was the biggest salesperson in the country at one point. Really? I was really good at selling Jenny Craig. Just out of Long Beach? No, the country. I well, I know, but you Did were you working a, out of Long Beach. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You get a plaque or something? No, I. Well, this is where. This, sorry, I feel like I, I keep steamrolling. But so, long story short, I worked at Jenny Craig. Um, I was doing really well, and I made a video at work. Which, uh, I've heard uh, we've we've heard of this. Okay. But you, I, I want to hear it from you. Okay, and at this point, you were like the top salesman in the country the for country. Jenny Craig. I was the. Sh- and Jenny Craig. Not in real life. <laughs> Wasn't really making any money, but I was, they yeah. would actually send me to struggling other Jenny Craig centers to like, it was like a really Hillary Swank lifetime movie. Like, like I would, across the country? No, no, no. Like 
Orange County, LA, okay. I would go to like downtown Fullerton and I would be the manager there for like a month and like, you know, make everybody work together and make the people love everybody and sell a bunch of food. And then they'd fly me away to another terrible place to work for a month. And they did that because I was really good and I would turn these places around. And what, what do you, what was it about you? I mean, what was your secret? Okay. I had the before and after thing, which was, obvi- which was, you know, really great to show people. Although embarrassing, because you'd be like, this is my before and after picture. And they'd be like, how'd you get that big? Oh, my God. What did you eat? <laughs> so that was like a daily constant reminder <laughs> of my choices. Um, but I had this speech, because Jenny Creek is very expensive. So the whole thing is you have to sell the program to these people who don't really have the money. And you have mm-hmm. to figure out how to get the money. So I came up with this speech. I was like, okay, listen. So, for example, say you need to lose weight. So and But be very hesitant to buy it. Ready? Okay, so the program is um, it's uh, really great. It's a year long. It's five thousand dollars, and um, yeah, you know, but I I mean I'm just minimum wage, man. Listen, so am I. Uh, you saw my before and after picture. I didn't even have a job at that point. I was you know struggling, check check. Um, but think about it this way, and I'll go into the speech and say, you know, like look at your car. For example, say right now your car totally broke down. Your tires fell off. Your engine just blew up. I don't know anything about cars, but all everything goes wrong with the car. And they give you a bill and say, hey, it's $5,000 to fix your car. You're going to find the money. You're going to split it between cars. You're going to call your mom. You're going to do whatever you can to get that car done because you need that car. This is your body. You yeah. need your body a lot more than you need a car. Mm. And then they'd cry and be like, oh, my God, you're so right. And they'd sign it. So at what point would you mention the octopus? And then I'd say, I used to work in an aquarium. <laughs> if you really need money, I left There's a, an opening. I have a job. There's an opening at the aquarium. Okay. So tell, then I tell us about the video then. So then, okay, another long story short, Valerie Bertinelli, who was the spokesperson at the time, nobody listening knows who knows who she is probably. What show was she on in the eighties? One day at a you, time. One day at a time. Yeah. The only reason I know that is because the book was called like One Pound at a Time or some terrible pun. Yeah. Um, So Jenny Craig was like, oh, give this to all of your new clients. Did you ever meet Jenny? No, she sold the company to Nestle Chocolate before I started working there, which is- Of course she did. A little ironic. I mean, when she did sell though, all the food slowly turned chocolate, which was very weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Like clients would be like, why are these chips chocolate coated? Why is what is mole? And I'm like, everything just slowly chocolate turned spaghetti. Chocolate. I was like, this isn't um, all the yeah, all the protein was chocolate. So no, I never met her, but uh, but yeah. So her people were like, oh, give out these Valerie Bertinelli autobiographies to all your clients for free. And I'm like, okay. So I, you know, we were right next to Leisure World, which is like old folks Disneyland. It's all the old people live there. It's like a big community of old people. Okay. All my clients were like 80. So I gave the book to them. They're all excited. They come back the next week and be like, did you read this book before you gave it to me? And I'm like, no, I don't read. So I looked through the book and I was just like, oh my God, every chapter. I mean, chapter one, cocaine, a hell of a drug. Chapter two, whose was that? Like every chapter was intense. She was like a child star from the 80s and she had done all this stuff. So I thought it'd be funny is if, if I had some consultants and some old clients read passages from the book very seriously with music and lighting. And um, it was really, really funny. And I put it up and literally the next day. Because you had been making videos just on your own. Just like stupid vlogs. This was Shane Dawson TV, my, my, my now channel. Um, so I was making very like simple vlogs. This was my third video. And what was your expectation in putting it up? Nothing. I was just like, oh, I cut my hair and I lost some weight. I'll make a new channel because my other channel, I, I look like Rosie O'Donnell. So I need to rebrand myself I guess and the third one was this this one customers of Jenny Craig Craig mm-hmm. I want to say Craig because there's an I yeah no that sounds good um, customers reading excerpts from Valerie Bertinelli's autobiography which mm-hmm. was really juicy really 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 juicy <laughs> and uh, I got a not I didn't get a phone call okay another long story short my brother and my mom were working there as well <laughs> it was a family affair I let them all in so we're all at work, <laughs> and we're all, like, talking about the video. Like, wasn't that fun yesterday? Oh, my God, it's so funny. It has 10 views. Isn't that awesome? And then, uh, boom, bust through the door. All these CEOs from Jenny Craig, like, hardcore, terrifying-looking CEOs, lots of pantsuits. And they um, they grabbed me, took me to, like, an office, shut the door, and read me my rights kind of thing. And we're like, sign that paper, and you're out. And I was like, wait, What? And they were doing it to everybody in separate offices. So then we all ended up in the parking lot at everybody, the Everybody, me time. and your brother and your mom. My brother, my mom, and 
five other people that worked there. Some who had worked there for 25 years. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, it was bad. And we were on the parking lot and everybody's like, what's going on? And Oh my God. And the CEO walked out again. They're like, you can't ever be here. Ever. You need to leave. <laughs> like you, we will send your stuff in the mail. You need to leave. Like it was like we had committed a crime. My mom had her hands behind her back at one point. Like handcuffs? Not handcuffed, but like they were, as they were walking her out, they like acted like they handcuffed her. Like they were literally in front of clients walking her out like a criminal. I was like, put my before and after pictures in there. <laughs> um, so much for being the top salesman. I know. They didn't care. Um, is, no, is this video still up? <laughs> no, somebody re-uploaded it though. So it's up now. Mm-hmm. And what's it called? I don't know what they called it. It was probably like Shane's deleted Jenny Craig video or something. Okay. But I'll so leave how, how long was it up before there, you know, the it forcible- 10 views. Oh, like nothing. Yeah, like 10 views. It was crazy. Nobody watched it. I guess some, somebody at Jenny Craig watched it maybe. Yeah. It had to be somebody on the inside if it, if you weren't popular at well, the time. Well, here's the, there was one woman working there who didn't get fired, who hated me because hmm. I was good. It she was had, her. She had been there for 20 years and she was never promoted. She hated me. Um, and yeah, I think she ratted us out for sure. Bitch. Okay, so you lost your job. Well, and along with some other people, then what? Then um, I, I'm not going to lie, I... I had a very serious depression for like a while. I mean, you know, I caused everybody to lose their jobs, uh, a lot of guilt. My mom, me and my brother were all on unemployment. We were trying to find jobs and um, I tried to be a security guard again. They didn't want me. So, um, but literally a week later, I think I got a phone call from YouTube being like, hey, do you want to be a partner? And I was like, what? And it was so early on. And, um, and yeah, that gave me hope. Of course, I got turned down from being a partner because I didn't have enough videos or something. But I was like, you know what? If I could make more videos and really put my heart and energy into this while on unemployment, maybe soon I could make this a job. And it happened. Like a few months later, I got partnered. And in what year were we talking about? Like 08. 08, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, then, I mean, so you must have had more videos that gave them cause to contact you for the revenue share. I think at the time, you know what it was? I made a video the day I got fired called YouTube got me fired. And that one did well because of the title maybe. Um, I think it got like maybe like 5,000 views in a day, which for me back then was a lot. Mm -hmm. You were just telling the story. Mm -hmm. And I was like kind of crying in it, but not really. And I was like upset about it. I was wearing a terrible ill-fitting vest. It was all very Jonas Brothers. And um, <laughs> and that one got a lot of attention in the little YouTube community at the time. And I think that's what they saw, I think. That was like my f maybe fourth video. Okay. But then they wouldn't let you in because you didn't have enough videos. And but then a few months later, you were making more videos. Were you gaining traction? Yeah, I went from, you know, I had like 5,000 views on that video and then I started getting, you know, like 50,000 views and then I think by the time I got partnered, I was getting like 100,000 views a video. What were the videos? I started doing um the thing about YouTube back then and I'm sure obviously you guys know this. Uh, at the time, there wasn't that many people talking directly to the audience and like engaging, being like, hey guys, what do you think about this topic? And I'd have a sketch and then I'd ask them what they think about the topic. And um, I created like this cool group of kids who felt very like they didn't fit in very much like I felt in their their age. And it was word of mouth. I mean, it grew like, I think I probably had maybe 100,000 subscribers in like, I don't know, a few months or something. Mm -hmm. Like all So these it, it was a sketch. Well, I mean, what we've grown to expect from your channel, it was a kind of a sketch thing that then would have a sincere vlog conversation with your audience tacked on to the end of it. Yeah, and like back then I didn't I didn't do it too well. I always wanted to have a moral at the end of the video because I, you know, it's how I grew up. I always wanted to help people out and have a moral. And I mean, I watched some of the older videos and I'm like, wow, that sounded terrible because i would have this crazy crazy video with sex and drugs and all this stuff and then at the end i'd be like guys i don't drink and you shouldn't drink either it's so bad <laughs> so public service announcement um i wasn't <laughs> subtle at all but um that was my goal was to like spread do like after school specials on crack that was my goal yeah right. it's it's interesting that i imagine a lot of people i mean even my first impression was well this guy will say anything he's thinking and oh my gosh, the kids who are listening to this, mm. I'll listen to the language or the topics that he's talking about. And, and then at the end, he's doing this thing where it's kind of like flipping it around. Mm -hmm. it's, but I guess I was missing the point and not seeing where you were coming from. Even now, as I appreciate your story, that it was, I mean, it was even very calculated. You said mm -hmm. you weren't good at it, but what would you say or what was your experience 
I guess, dealing with those people all along who would just react Mm -hmm. to the content up front and not really see what you were trying to do. I ignored it because um, I knew what I was doing. And I, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up on horror movies, not horror movies, horror, 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 horror movies. Mm -hmm. I grew up, that's all I watched. That's all I knew. I still, that's all I watch really. Um, so I have had, was so desensitized to uh, violence and cussing and boobs and all of that stuff. So for me, I wanted to be genuine and authentic with what I thought was funny, what I thought was cool. And I was into dark humor and all that stuff. And I was like, maybe there's other kids out there that are like that too. And when YouTube first started, it was those kids. Now it's a little more mainstream, but back then it was like the dark gothic kids at school mm-hmm. and that's what they thought was funny too and um my first one of my first sketches was about phone sex where i had phone sex with a girl and she ended up like killing somebody i don't know it was very dark <laughs> and um and yeah like and that's just what i knew and then know? the moral was phone sex kills yeah the moral was there's always you th- if you think your life is bad there's always somebody out there whose life uh is worse than yours and you should appreciate what you have it was always like the morals were very, very loosely tied to it, but um, I mean, has, has yeah. your has your mission, so to speak, re- remained the same? Mm-hmm. You know, here we are, twenty thirteen, and we we all know that YouTube has changed mm-hmm. dramatically. Um, it's so you know, for for guys like you, it's it's a it's a business. I mean, this is what you do. This is what you're going to do for the foreseeable future. You're an entertainer now, full time mm-hmm. entertainer. Yeah. How has the approach changed in terms of are you still trying to get those morals across? Or I still do once in a while, um, but for the most part, because YouTube is now so mainstream and it's not just depressed kids, it's like everybody's watching YouTube. So I don't want to hammer in morals every week because it gets a little like preachy, but um, probably like once a month I'll do a moral. But, um, but my whole thing now is I look at it like, okay, now my goal is just to give five minutes of entertainment to somebody who needs it. And um, if there's a moral, great. If there's not, at least they got five minutes of free entertainment. And um, and then hopefully now just keep proving people like, oh, I can actually direct because my goal now, which has been my goal since I was five, is to direct. So now I'm not really in my videos anymore. And all my last like hit videos, I guess, it's so hard nowadays to get a hit. But like my last couple like good videos, I haven't even been in. Like my last couple parodies, I wasn't even in. Mm-hmm. Just behind the scenes, writing, directing. So that's kind of my goal now is to take a little step back. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, we we've seen both of your uh, the m- recent Miley <laughs> parodies. Which it, when I saw your um, the We Can't Stop parody, I was I got, called my wife in there. I was like, "You've got we've got to watch this because we because <laughs> we had just watched her video, oh, and I was God. like." I, I was just like Shane is, to- which was full of morals. Totally. I mean, I I love the way that you just totally called her called her out and just kind of just you know you just told you just told the truth about mm-hmm. the situation. And who who is the who's the girl that plays Miley? In, in her this? name is Kristen Finley, and she I've known her. The Fine Brothers introduced me to her like six years ago or something, five years ago maybe. She is a genius. She's the funniest person I've ever met and she is one of the best actresses I've ever ever worked with. I, it's not even directing. I mean, she just does it and I just film it. <laughs> like that's she's so good. Yeah, they were great. I, I think one of the things that I'm interested in and <clears throat> we'll wrap up here in a little bit, but I'm definitely interested in the being, you know, the the Shane that was the overweight kid in high school that was struggling with making friends. So definitely not the popular kid to all of a sudden being the Shane Dawson that we all know. Right. We go to VidCon, and I remember in the first VidCon, it, there was just talk about how you couldn't get from one side of the room to the other and that you had to have security. I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, I, for so embarrassing. Where, where you, you know, from what you came from to that, where you have to have security when going into a conference and then have to every, everyone lines up. For your autograph, mm-hmm. what is that like for you? It's weird. It never. I've never been. Um, I've never felt like empowered by it. I've never been like excited about getting recognized or like I've never had like random meet. Like you know how you'll see YouTubers like let's have a meetup, guys, because you know it's like an ego boost. It's validation. I've never had that where I need that. Um, but I'm also, but I'm also not uncomfortable with it. It's like when I go to VidCon, all the kids are there. It, our relationship is very much like friends. 
Mm-hmm. Like they come right up to me, they give me a hug, they tell me like their sad story, and then we hug it out, take a picture, and they're gone. It's very like the way I would treat a friend. Um, tell them to solve my sad stories and then leave. <laughs> um, whereas like you see a, a, nowadays YouTube is changing to where like you see the British YouTubers walk in and it's very like superstar. Like kids don't want to go up to them. They're scared. They're like taking pictures from far away. It's It's like the way you would treat a real celebrity. So, but my audience is still very like friends. So it's just felt like I have a lot of friends, which is definitely different for me. Right. Um, but also people who know me sometimes better than my real friends know me. So I'm never nervous or shy or uncomfortable. Well, do, I mean, do you, you know, be, being somebody who struggled to make friends and, you know, was being made fun of mm-hmm. and now being somebody who, you've got all these friends. I mean, you 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 see the the fans as friends and I totally understand that. I mean, that's definitely, it's very, very different. The relationship between a YouTube celebrity mm-hmm. and a fan is much different than any traditional celebrity. But how do you think that's impacted? You know, do you do you find any sort of security in that now? You know, I, as as an example, you know, I came home the other night and my wife had a really hard day, mm-hmm. and I said something. I can't remember what I said. I said something insensitive that kind of just started an argument. And she she mentioned she said, I, you know, I've been here with your two sons all day who have not been appreciating me and what I've been doing for them. You've been out there being a YouTuber with all these with these thousands of people who appreciate you. Of course, there's the haters, but then there's the people who appreciate what you do. And I kind of it kind of hit me. It's like, yeah, you know, it is true that you know once you get to a certain level on YouTube, it's kind of like you're you're some you're someone who does something like if it's Good Mythical Morning, it's every single day. It's a video every once in a while. People appreciate it, you know. And and I kind of hit me. I was like, you know, I wonder how much I'm kind of. How much, how much that comforts me, the fact that there's all these people out there who appreciate what I do. For you, somebody who didn't necessarily have that mm-hmm. growing up, now you've got it. Is, how are you dealing with that? Um, it's still a lot of, um, I still have a lot of like the pressure to, which is why I told you earlier, like I've, I have gotten close to having a breakdown because I take all these kids or viewers or whatever you want to call them. I take all these kids' problems and stuff on on me, and I'm like, oh, if I don't have a new video out on Saturday, all these kids are going to be disappointed. It's like so much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last year, ever since my you know dead grandma told me to chill, I've definitely like taken a backseat to some things and like chilled out and um, been honest with the audience and said, listen, guys, I need a break, or listen, guys, I'm taking some time off, or listen, guys, I'm doing videos once every other week. And they've been so cool about it and um, and yeah, so there's, there's a lot of pressure, but also I'm trying to change my mindset and be like, oh, these kids, it's not like they're just living for me. They, I'm just entertainment now. Like five or six years ago, some of these kids were just like living for YouTube. And now that it's more mainstream, does that make any sense? I feel yeah. like it's, there, there's less of a, I don't think any kids are going to kill themselves if I don't release a video on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. hope not. Right. And you're learning not to put as much pressure on yourself or. I mean, to deal with what it is that has become your career and that has all these ins and outs to it that you, know, you got to find a way to stay sane. I mean, the fact that I'm sane, uh, well, semi, after this interview, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, we, uh, we appreciate you sitting down with us and, and being candid and uh, allowing us to get to know you a little bit better. And it uh, seems like you should probably sign the table. Yeah, I could sign it. We need a Sharpie. Grab the Sharpie. There should be one right over there. a lot of Elvis memorabilia. Yeah, that was a gift. (laughs) No, but you have other Elvis memorabilia (laughs) in other places here. Here we go. Yeah, we got the Elvis clock from Memphis, and then this was a gift from uh, his Mm sister-in-law. Those are the only two Elvis things we have. Um, This is a big Sharpie. It is. Well, you know, I want you to... I want you to be able to make your mark. All right. <laughs> you get you get you can really go anywhere. You don't really have to come this way. Even like Grace and Phil went that way. Oh, you want? Oh, I thought this was just like people only sign it where they sit. Well, everyone sits well, where you're sitting. Yeah, I know. Thus that, far, that is the case. Do people ever try to sit over there? And do you get mad? Because I, I, I noticed you brought a special chair for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> a, yeah, a I'm throne. A, yeah, I, I need some arms. I need some armrests here. 
All right. I'll sign it when I'm done. Cause I, I, Wait, it's over. We're it's, done. Oh, we're done? <laughs> there you have it, our conversation with Shane Dawson, a man who used to weigh 400 pounds. Wow. I mean, I learned a lot. The whole ghost thing, I guess if I saw my grandma as a ghost, first of all, both my grandmas are living, so... That's not possible. <laughs> that would be weird. It would be very sad if they appeared as a ghost when they weren't even dead. But if if my dead grandma appeared to me, I would vomit too. I'd run into the hallway and I'd vomit. It would be. I guess that's how I would react. I mean, who? How? How do? You, how would you react? I don't know. Well, all of my grandmothers are dead. Um, I have more. Than, how many do I have? I have none now. I had two at one point. I have three grandfathers. I haven't seen any of, they're all dead. I haven't seen any of them as a ghost. I'm sure you will tell us if you have uh, had an appearance of a grandfather or grandmother in your life and it changed your life like it did Shane's. Uh, Interesting conversation. I am enjoying doing this. We got three of these under our belts. Are you enjoying this in your car, in your home, in your earphones, in your earbuds, uh, making an ear biscuit out of this? Thank you for listening. We will do this again next week. Yeah, it's gonna, at least I will. It's I mean, going to keep happening. I will be here. Yes. I, I like having these conversations. I yeah. feel like something is being accomplished and documented. I feel like I'm learning something every single week. I hope that the people are learning something every single week from someone that they find interesting. Thank you for being here, people. Listen to us next week. <laughs>